Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 68 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on January 13th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the voice that launched a thousand ships, Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have the drops been for you? Uh, I got a Nova Mortis. So that's there's that. Um, and I got a sore throat. Nice. So a lot nice. of cough drops. A lot of cough drops. Lutens. That's not that's not a good not that wasn't a good one. That didn't come from an exotic ingram, right? No, no, it didn't. Okay, okay. It, it came from a purple. Came from purple. Got it. Ah, yeah. Raul's back to his old tricks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mel had some things come up that require her attention here for the next couple of weeks, but she will be back as soon as she can. I know I'm speaking for all of us here when I say that we already miss you, Mel, and we hope that everything is going to be great. Um, sorry that your schedule got so filled up so fast. Um, and then also alongside us tonight, we are joined by green eye music lover green. How have things been for you? What's up? It's good. It's good. Been a little busy, but you know, that's what happens after the new years for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really quick. Can you tell us where people can find you if they wanted to chat a bit more with you? Uh, you can always find me in the discord chat with the focus fire team chat and, Twitter, pretty much I'm on Instagram too, but I do it mainly for business stuff. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll get me like normal gamer girl. If you follow me on Instagram, you're going to get more of the personal trainer side. So follow me wherever. All right. Well, the topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the information about the future war cult, or as Justin fondly refers to them, the Rainbow Death Squad. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the Vex Strikes. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internets. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny Audio Grimoire. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the mysterious qualities of Yes, or, as I've taken to calling it, Yes Strikes Back. Y'all should enjoy the episode that we're planning. With that, let's go ahead and look at what we have on these Technicolored Militants, the Future War Cult. Lorbot, let's go. Query. 
Grimoire database. Results found. Displaying on screen. All right. Everyone's favorite faction. Yes, everyone's favorite faction. I'm just kidding. Just mine. The future war cult. There is no future. Yeah, the rainbow death squad. There is no future but now. No truth but war. While the origins of the future war cult are greatly debated, their mark has been found on ancient chambers and encampments throughout the system, dating them back to the late golden age. Though their secrets are vast, they have proven indispensable in our struggle against the darkness, earning them power and respect in the city consensus and among the guardians. So, and then, uh, Green, I know you had the uh, future war cult, cult representative card, I guess, or no, faction rep yeah. card. Yep. Uh, it's Lakshmi 2. There is nothing Lakshmi 2 likes more than secrets. Her origins are unknown. Her appearance in the city was abrupt. She courts select guardians for initiation into the higher mysteries of the future war cult, espousing a brutal philosophy of endless struggle. Those who can tolerate Lakshmi's mocking hints and bloody-minded philosophy find her surprisingly good company. She seems to take genuine joy in her work, as if the secret she guards has taught her to treasure every moment. So these these both actually are pretty good intros to the future war cult. Um, but I would also really, really strongly caution people to not just take these cards um, at face value. Uh, you know, as is common in Destiny, there's a lot of information that's kind of buried within these. Uh, for example, just just the name locks me too. Um, there's a, there's a connection there to the Hindu goddess of wealth, fortune, and prosperity. Uh, she is also the wife and the energy of the major god Vishnu in the Hindu religion, and it's she's very commonly portrayed as being endowed with six auspicious and divine qualities, which are um, called gunas, as well as being believed to have been born from the churning of the primordial ocean. And she is depicted in art as often being elegantly dressed and possessing an owl as her vehicle to symbolize the importance of economic activity and maintenance of life, her ability to move, work, and prevail in confusing darkness, and her her posture is often shown as being in the manner of a yogin on a lotus pedestal holding a lotus, which is symbolic for fortune, self-knowledge, and spiritual liberation. So there is a lot of that kind of connects her to that that figure. Uh, I I always I kind of focus in on the 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 owl as her vehicle because it's the symbol for prevailing and confusing darkness, which is pretty a pretty poignant point to be made with the game of destiny. Um, and that's also a really common thing, or not a common thing, but a really intriguing point that you should keep in mind as we kind of talk especially about the device that that kind of gets kind of interesting there as well. Um, the next and, and green or Justin, did you have anything really you wanted to jump in on those two cards or do you want to talk about the history a bit? Uh, the only thing else that I found about Lakshmi is there are quite a few notable characters in history that have the name Lakshmi ingrained within it. Mm-hmm. There's not one specific one though. So She's just important throughout history, which is kind of cool. 
Yeah. And, you know, and the, the other thing, and Hertz talking about it in chat right now, the other kind of interesting point is the, the, I don't want to call it the creation myth for the Hindu, but the creation of this figure is the churning of the primordial ocean. Um, you know, Lakshmi is one of those figures that has been explained as a person that kind of just appeared. No one really knows where she came from. Uh, she's an exo. She bears the digit two. So she's only been wiped maybe once. We don't even know if she's not the original version, you know, given there's some theories that exos are just, you know, like all exos are like Cade. Um, and if that's the case, then the the first instance of the exo mine could be whatever two. So Lakshmi could be the first version of her exo mode. Um, there's a theory that we'll get into a little bit later about who she could be. Um, but if that's the case, that's very, very, very important because that means that she remembers a lot because if you remember the exos are all from the golden age. Um, the other, the other thing is, is we know that she does have memories from the collapse. Uh, she hasn't been wiped since then. She speaks quite often. If you're, excuse me, if you're standing around her, she'll talk to you or she'll mention, you know, the bombing of London seeing knights and seeing the horrors of the fallen, you know, destroying thing, destroying various cities. Uh, she speaks of a lot of different cities actually getting uh, attacked and destroyed. And she remembers all this stuff or supposedly she remembers this stuff. So she, she's one of those figures that even though she's just a faction representative, she also is a potential source of a lot of information about the, uh, the time before the present in game, um, you know, theoretically she could have been around and she, well, she was around during the whole rise and fall of the iron Lord. Yeah. Her chain just said that, um, rise and fall of the iron Lords. Uh, so it'd be, I'm interested to see, you know, if we ever get some information from her perspective on that, but talking about the history that kind of brings us to the first card that kind of talks about, the beginnings of the future war cult and this is the ghost fragment vex 5 which many of us have read a number of times and it's really uh it's a it's not a dialogue it's actually a journal in well records of a journal and it says ghost fragment vex 5 record zero chasm zero my love i've opened this log as an apology as a scientist i believe in record keeping I believe in protocols, peer review, and ethical conduct. I believe in the importance of disbelief. You know, let's run that one more time. What I'm doing here in Laza isn't science. It's unethical, secret, and shameful. And after what happened in Ishtar, dearest Kyoma, I know you'd be furious with me for getting involved. Forty years isn't far enough to forget a day like that. But I believe it's important. The least I can do is keep a few notes for you. That takes us to Record Zero Chasm 01. Trial 1, Subject 1. It was an act of stupid loneliness. I used the device on myself because I... I missed you. We hadn't been apart for more than a year since we met. I'm not a very good wife, am I? You write me every week, even with all Hyperion's work and all Hyperion's distance keeping you from me. And I act like it's not enough. We built the device in mimicry of the Vex gateway systems from Ishtar, 
An observatory, yes, but I think of it as a mind ship, capable of displacing its payload across space and time. The lab is cold and isolated. We are quarantined from the world physically and mentally. We can't send messages out. If we breach the Vex manifolds, even our words might transmit uh, contagion. One night last month I missed you, and so I... I thought that I could look inside the device and find one of the other Kiomas. I thought I could call out to one of the forks we sent out there to explore. I just wanted to send my love. Record Zero Chasm 2 Zacharik Gilinich Bechterveth May he rest in peace. When our probes continued to fail, when my report remained our only positive finding, he volunteered to use the device. One minute of subjective experience inside. We took precautions. They worked. Beckerdiff's experience left no physical damage. After we extracted him, he said that he felt determined. I asked him what he meant, and he said that he meant it. He had been determined. He could feel all his choices set out before him like a railroad. Deviation was impossible. He died by suicide. I wonder if he was trying to make a point. Record Zero Chasm 3 We decided not to abort. It's insane, isn't it? There are pressures on us I can't tell you about until I see you again. The purpose of the system is intelligence, you see. It's stenciled right on the hall. That's XISR, special asset. We would very much like to make it work reliably. Our supervisory war mind has devised a drug it says will protect us and protect and prepare us. I am beginning to wonder if we were wrong about the merchant and the alchemist, or if that explanation of time was incomplete. Record Zero Chasm 9. Kain Lekva. He meditated before he went in. Nothing but deja vu and three seconds of screams. The screaming passed and he remains, He remembers nothing. The deja vu hasn't. He says it's getting better. He feels that we've had this conversation only ten times before, not a thousand. I've suggested that we attempt mind forking. We need more sane people to work with. Please forgive me, my love. We are all growing superstitious. The behavior of the device is inconsistent, impossible to replicate. We turn to ritual behavior to appease it. Record Zero, Chasm 31. Rajish. When he reached a displacement of eight, he told us he was dead. I believed him. He was dead. He spoke to us. It was true. Whatever he saw, it was his own future. He's fine afterwards. When I look into his eyes, I wonder what came back wearing his skin. But that thought is unscientific. We speak of nothing but the device. We talk about it like a demigod. When I get out of here, I know the whole world will look like a fraying veil. I think it's clear that part of the problem is substrate. We need more than flesh and drug to survive this. Record Zero, Chasm 52. I heard you, my love. I was at six, oscillating on the event axis, coordinated with a known manifold. I heard you. You were talking to me. Not me, but another me, another Maya Sundaresh. You said, my love, so many strange things have happened and it's been so long. We've come so far. Do you ever want to go home? And I said, not me, but the other me. I said, my love, I am always home. I'm resigning, my love. I'm done with this work and I'm done with being apart from you. I'll see you again soon. I can't take this journal out with me, so I've left it for the others and I've asked them to continue the log. Maybe it'll become a tradition. The gospel of our little cult. Ah, long card. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, before we kind of tear it apart a little bit more, uh, 
I did want to point out the nod to the merchant and the alchemist. I absolutely love that. Um, that is from the other Ghost Fragment Vex cards from when they were actually inside the Vex simulation, basically. Or they they were trying to disprove that they were inside the Vex simulation. Uh, the Merchant and the Alchemist is a short story that actually talks about time travel. And it has it makes the argument basically for fixed time uh, and that everything has everything that will happen has happened and will always happen. Basically there, there is no deviation from time because in order to manipulate the time that has to be figured in it's, it's a, it's a roundabout way of dealing with basically the paradox of time travel in a singular timeline model. Um, and so the the point here that she is making is actually that, you know, if they were wrong about the merchant and the alchemist theory, that would that would have two points or two two possible conclusions. Either the Vex either we exist in a singular timeline, a singular universe, and the Vex have somehow or this device and predominantly the Vex, since it's made in mimicry of the Vex, have found a way to surpass the paradox of manipulating the temporal flow or or we exist in a multiverse model which is probably more likely in the destiny universe given the way that some of the some of the connections are made in some of the vex vex enemy cards but um other than that and we i'm trying to think i know green we had a few a few comments about estesericism and astral projection. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, real quick, uh, back on episode 31, we actually did talk about the theory that the name that I absolutely butchered uh, was actually possibly Osiris before he was resurrected, uh, the individual who committed suicide uh, in Kazan 2. Zakaharik Gilmanovich Bekterev. That one. That one. See, she knows how to put the emphasis on the, the right, right syllable. Yeah, that's that's why we have her around here. And if you're Russian in the audience, please don't murder me. <laughs> yeah, just kill me. I'm I'm the one that butchered it even worse. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um. Go ahead. To kind of before we get too far into time travel, but the merchant and the merchant and the alchemist. That's a a reference to. The Ghost Fragment Vex, I can't remember, four. three or four? Yeah, I think it's Yeah, four. there you go. Um, and it was the question of whether or not if you could go back and get something to help you to bring it back to the present, it wouldn't really do any difference because you've already... Right. It, it's, a, it's one big causal loop. Yes, exactly. As opposed to the splintering, um, ever-expanding like spider web of vex uh simulations that kind of yeah we yeah. we presume simulate simulate you know the the many different timelines of destiny or at least i assume yeah no yeah exactly it, it yes uh i have i have a pdf copy of the merchant and the alchemist gate uh actually linked read. in discord i think it's only like isn't it only like 15 or 20 pages it's not a very long yeah it's story. not very long it's, it's a, a short story amazing i've read it like five or ten times I, I i didn't even know what it was when we first started this 
And I kept getting annoyed because they kept talking about the Merchant and the Alchemist. I'm like, what are they talking about? So I f- went out and I dug through all these references and finally found it. And I, it's one of the most interesting presentations of the a solution to time paradoxes uh, that I've read. Actually, it's it's. I mean, and it's not complex. It's actually very simple. But yeah, you're correct. In the Merchant and the Alchemist Gate, uh, the theory is is that everything exists on the same timeline. Um, so there, there's really three big models of time travel and the two predominant ones that are usually referenced in destiny are either the multiverse theory uh, which i'll get to in just a second or the singular timeline theory Um, there's inherent issues with both of those Uh, the primarily one being on the single timeline is that there is no way around the fact that if you visit either the future or the past you are changing the environment in which those exist um existentially and so you can't by by simply being there you have changed so many things it's it's like the uh, butterfly effect basically and so the merchant and the alchemist theory is a way to address that by saying that no your your presence was actually already there so that the entire temporal flow of the existence of the universe won't get disrupted because it already happened. Even though you're traveling to the future, it's already it, it already happened. There, there, and the problem the problem with that theory is then you start running into the the issue of okay, well then you have no free will because everything is predestined. Um, and you, there's so many there's so many philosophical arguments about that that particular aspect of it too because things can still be predestined, but you could still exist free will. Um, but we, we're not going to get into that one. Um, that's also opposed to a multiple timeline or multiverse theory. And that model is when that allows for time travel, because basically what happens is if you travel into the past or you travel into the future, wherever you travel, you, you basically splinter the timeline into multiple fragments. And, you know, your timeline Timeline A, which is where you are uh, initially, will keep going. And then, say, in timeline A, you go back in time. At the moment that you arrive in the past of timeline A, that becomes timeline B. Timeline A still goes on. Um, So you don't actually change anything in timeline A. Timeline A is still in existence, and you will never be able to access timeline A theoretically Again, because by accessing it, you would then split it in timeline C, and it it gets very complex very fast. But that's basically the multiverse's way, the multiverse theory way of getting around the paradox of you existentially changing any temporal situation in which you visit outside of your own temporal existence. So, that all being said, do you want to talk about astral projection real quick? (laughs) Let's sure. let's step back into a, something a little bit simpler. <laughs> Talk about yeah. some other temporal temporal effects. Yeah, astral projection is a way that the device seems to function. It talks about it in which record was it? Like record one. Yeah, where it's a mind ship. Mm-hmm. And when you think about astral projection, it's a term that's used as a and esotericism. See, this is the word you can say that I can't say. So say it for me. <laughs> esotericism. Thank you. T 
to describe a willful out-of-body experience. So it's that idea, new age idea where you sit, you meditate, and your supposed soul leaves your body mm-hmm. and travels anywhere within the universe in an astral body. It sounds very similar to how the device in Future War Cult works because they talk about seeing things that they couldn't supposedly see, having kind of feelings within their own body. But the thing with uh, astral projection is you actually don't ever leave your body. It's just a mind mind game mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just real quick, estosericism. Estosericism is referring to esoteric, which it, it okay. Esoteric is to it, what that means is understood by or meant for only the select few who have a special knowledge or interest. So it, it's basically a scholarly term for a wide range of loosely related unconventional ideas or movements that have developed into uh, Western societies, and it's a transdisciplinary field. Uh, so esotericism had esto. Tisserism, man, I am right now, <laughs> has pervaded various forms of Western philosophy, religion, pseudoscience, art, literature, and music, and it actually does continue to affect um, intellectual ideas and popular culture even today. Um, one of the things that actually I just watched, and Justin, I think you're starting to watch it now, is The Magicians. Uh, this is a, a fairly recent show, um, and I think it's on sci-fi. I can't, it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's a really good show. But um, one of the one of the main characters actually has the capability. He actually has the capability to physically travel. But part of what he can do is astral projection. Uh, astral projection is just basically scrying. It is another term that is usually used to describe astral projection. So whenever you like read like a a supernatural uh, story or a fantasy novel, and they talk about scrying or scrying pools, that's a form of astral projection. Um, yeah. It's it's like Sauron in Lord of the Rings. Yes, yes, and uh, Galad. No, yes, Galadriel. Galadriel with her pool. Yes, yeah, yes. Pool. I'm trying. I was like, I uh, also to one. bring it back to to bring it back to uh, to Destiny. It's not unlike what Orcs does in the Taken in the Taken King, where he's mm-hmm. now his is accompanied by if I don't know if you want to say physical, but a an embodiment um yeah he like that he creates can actually himself literally yeah yeah yeah. but i you can see him in his ship in some of the cups cut scenes where he's he's not really where the Mm -hmm. echo is he's back in his throne world yeah so the echoes of oryx are a hybrid form of astral projection in which there is a um a i guess you would call it a specter form of him so yeah, yeah. i would say that's it i like the term echo yeah yeah it, i mean it's a very it's 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 one of those things that it's like they call it it's called an echo of oryx and it's that's exactly what it is i actually mm-hmm. yeah it's and then um to move to move the conversation on a little bit uh green i know you wanted to talk about the, the what what sane people are they talking about right it's just revisiting these cards. It's just like all the little things that pop out at you now, because we've discussed all the big things. And now it's just like, okay, in the card, it says, I've suggested that we attempted mind forking. We need more sane people to work with. What in the world are they pulling from that? They're pulling non-sane people to do all these experiments <laughs> on. Well, so, like- so I think here people are going nuts, right? So here, here's why, here's why that's such a big thing. Um, 
remember in Vex, the Vex one through four, right? You had the 227 copies or 200 whatever Mm -hmm. copies. Those are, so mind forking is actually the, the splintering of an individual's person into a exact duplicate of themselves. Right. Right. So what they're, what she's actually suggesting is they take the first subject and before they subject that individual into the machine, they mind fork them and they copy them so that when they put this first person into the machine and they go insane and commit suicide or die or, you know, go whatever, they have another one that they can use. Basically what she just said right there was she reduced the human person to nothing more than a piece of an experiment that has no free will of its own. Lab rats. Yes. We, she is suggesting that we devolve humanity to a lab rat status so that they have more cannon fodder, I guess would be the most applicable thing. She, she is, she's reducing because basically what they're doing is they're saying, Hey, we're going to create your own simulation of you because your simulation is going to be just like you. And then we're going to subject all those simulations to the same torturous event that drove the original person insane. Because remember yeah. in the Vex one through fours, they didn't even know if they weren't mind forks of their original selves. Yeah. And then they put it in a little widget called the cookie. Oh, God, don't. <laughs> oh, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> oh. um, yeah, oh. one of the best lines ever. Give me was, something to I'm do. Just gonna move on. I'm going to move on. Uh, <laughs> was, you uh, broke me. Oh. Yeah, when they were talking about the, the simulations the Vex Goblin was running, it was like, so what? What? They're simulations. Who cares? And it was like, no way! If it can make one simulation, yep. it can make many. Play the odds. Odds Shin. are Shin's we're like we're not our it. own originals. <laughs> wait for it. And then uh, expletive. <laughs> well, I'll be an expletive, expletive. Expletive. That was. <laughs> I love Shim. I love Shim when he was teaching. What's it, Dwayne? He was like, wait uh-huh. for it. Wait for it. And you could just see like him uh-huh. being like, and there it is. <laughs> I wish someone would simulate you shutting up. <laughs> Battle of Shem. Uh, uh, but yeah, I. This no, go is, for it. Go for it. Oh no, the I, I think the reason this card makes it into the well, a bunch of Ishtar stuff is going to make it into the future War Cult discussion. Right. It's just the what it's going to do. But one of the main reason this one creeps in there is um, that last line. Yep. Maybe it'll become a tradition. The gospel of our little cult. Well, that and also the it establishes something that we see and it establishes something that we see quite a bit when we start talking about the device that the future war cult has access to. And that is the format of these cards. Every single card that has excuse me, every single card that has something to do with the device has this format. And it's always record, number, and then it's either chasm, bridge, or eclipse, and then a number. So this is all connected. This is all, I mean, this is a very clear connection. I don't think many, many people will seriously argue that this is not talking about the establishment of what would become the future war cult. 
simply because of that. Now, the other thing that we also know is that Lakshmi is very, very strongly connected to the stranger. Um, and we have a few theories about why that is. Some of them, some of them are very well thought out. Uh, I know Green and I will probably be talking about one of those. But, you know, th- there, is, there is a connection there that you kind of can't deny, especially if you've played the No Time to Explain exotic quest. Um, and that connection also establishes the 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 the, the connection between the future Warhold and Pradith, um, and the Vault of Glass. Uh, time timelines and time travel is really a big deal with the future Warhold, and there it's a very interesting. Like the more you dig into their faction, the more you actually start kind of seeing some some. It's not depressing, but it's very heavy philosophies that underlie uh, what Lakshmi, especially what Lakshmi is actually trying to do. I, I actually have a theory of my own as to what exactly her end game is. But um, I did I did have one other point real quick on the astral projection. Uh, there, There is a very, 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 very small connection between astral projection and the idea of what's called the third man factor. Uh, the third man factor, and this is just kind of really a, a little trivia fact kind of funny thing is there's a hunter helmet called third man or the mask of the third man um and it's flavor text is i didn't do it it was the third man if i remember that correctly uh and the third man factor is an actual phenomenon it is an actual event uh that has supposedly happened and it's basically reported situations where an unseen presence such as a spirit provides comfort or support during traumatic experiences this is sometimes seen in modern psychological treatments of trauma victims via supporting what they call a cultivated inner character as a means to lend imagined support and comfort. A small trivia fact off that, that actually also inspired part of what T.S. Eliot wrote within the poem The Wastelands, and that was all referenced off one of the first recordings of this, this symptom, which was um, about an individual, I think his name was Shackleton? Yeah, Shackleton, uh, which he re- he recalled in an, in a book that he wrote about his journey in South Georgia, uh, called South. He w- he spoke that he believed that an incorporeal being joined him and the two companions that they had that he that had survived that during that entire journey, um, and that kind of was all connected there. The connection in game, actually, this tie in in my mind. This is this is just in my mind. There is nothing out there right now that confirms this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this entire statement with that. I see a strong connection between the Mask of the Third Man and Eris Morn, because not only because of the eyes, uh, because there's three eyes on the mask and Eris has three eyes, but also because the entire concept of the Third Man factor. It's an unseen presence, such as a spirit, Toland, providing comfort or support during a traumatic experience, which, I don't know, being stuck in the high for a decade would probably be a traumatic experience. So, that is kind of my own little spin foil, which I'm, I'm again, completely, completely just a theory. It's not, not bad. It's not, it's not, it's not confirmed anywhere. So... But that that is the notes that I made in regards 
to astral projection and that particular card. Did you guys have anything, anything other big that you want? Uh, I have one thing, Justin, go for it. I heard you. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I wanted to talk about, and we could probably get into this later, but it definitely seems, um, let me get back into the Vex card, but it definitely seems that time exists differently. The passage of time is different depending on how many layers deep you are into the device. Um, because when you, when you hear about these subjects, just three seconds of screaming, um, and then he's just bro- just a broken individual comes out. I don't think three seconds of anything is enough to break a human being. I just, I get the feeling that three seconds of looking into that thing is probably years. And that's, there's not a whole lot to, uh, to support that other than what I've read in other non-related sci-fi. And, you no, know, that, I mean, we, that makes we, we had a big, we had a big conversation about time being relative last time, and I just want, <laughs> which is it's really fun. It's a common conversation that Justin and I have, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, real quick, I did want to make a point. A lot of people have kind of commented about where did this machine come from? What is this machine? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, this actually explains where the machine comes from. Uh, it is built in mimicry of the Vex Gateway systems. There's another point that I don't think a lot of people catch, and I'm just going to call it out. There is actually Vex manifolds inside the machine. Mm-hmm. So this is not only a mimicry <laughs> of the machine, it is actually Vex tech being used. In the golden age. In the golden age. Well, yeah, we well we knew from the from right. the earlier Vex cards, we knew the Vex were around during them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that also explains why they can't communicate with the outside world. At all, so because so yeah. do you do you believe that that's the the biological vex element or the mechanical? Uh, well, that's gonna get. I think fun. it'd have to be the bio- biological. It it um it it's both uh because like okay so a manifold well, that's dangerous is, as heck right right but I mean okay so think about this think about it for a second. A manifold is basically a pipe or changer or a chamber that branches into several openings um, or something with many different parts or forms. And so it's basically many and various. Like that's just manifold. It's numerous, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it, it's not an actual like technical thing. But it's usually regarding fluid mechanics. So a manifold is usually like a bigger pipe into which smaller pipes and channels lead. And so the entire time we were having this chat – Real quick, in my in my head canon of this entire device, have any of you seen Fringe? Nope. Nope. What am I doing with my life? Um, okay, you need to watching fix that. Fringe. Apparently, no, you need to fix that immediately. <laughs> okay, in Fringe, there is a there is a modified sensory deprivation chamber that they actually use to do very similar things to what the device in this card does. Um, and in that in that chamber, the way that it's made, they they send the individual who is usually sent into this this chamber. 
they send it into, I don't even remember. I think they actually do call it the device, but they, they send them into it and they fill this up with a particular chemical, uh, mixture. Let's just call it the soup. Uh, and this soup is kind of like a very, very specific mixture of different chemicals that are actually very dangerous. And, but what happens is, and then they run, they basically, I think they run electricity into it and they basically bring the individual to the brink of death. And that forces the brain to kind of do some, it's all pseudoscience explanation. But anyways, that's what I picture when they start talking about the VEX or the, the device. And so a concept of a fluid mechanical or fluid mechanics and manifold makes sense to me because I'm like, okay, yeah, they're, they're pouring liquid into this big pipe that's going into a chamber and that's where the individual is sitting. They talk about a lot of times about how it is kind of like they're floating They're you know, they go into the chamber, they put people into the chamber. And so it just kind of always, is, that's been in my head. Um, the other thing about this is remember from any of the vault of glass armor, if you touch anything that has ever been part of a Vex, you will have the, the hallucinogenic, uh, effects of the radiolorian fluid mm-hmm. because it 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 adheres to their metal like the, if you take a piece of a vex you are getting both mechanical and biological yeah. aspects of it they 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 are inseparable basically which is why they're usually yeah. described as living metal so yes it is mechanical and the biological aspects and i think that's kind of you know that explains the I don't I don't want to call them technically fully hallucinations but that explains the hallucinogenic effects of the device because well, they are actually they essentially they are actually made touching. a touching they're actually giving a they're giving a cuddle to the vex. Yeah, they made a vex HMI pretty much. Yes. It's a human human machine interface. Yes. Pretty much. That, that they, is that They is, made a a point What's what's that? Oh my gosh, chat. Having a Kabir margarita. That yep. <laughs> no, uh I, I was just gonna say they they make mention of the, the vex elements being very, very contagious mm-hmm. and um it just it's it makes a lot of sense with why so many people killed themselves and went crazy after oh, yeah. encountering yeah. this thing. Well, and that's why, you know, that's one of the warnings on the, uh, one of the item from the equipments from the vault of glasses. Like if you begin, if you begin having hallucinations immediately, immediately administer, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically the, the drug. It's the drug that I think they are talking about, but. And I would actually expand on that a little bit that they're, actually engaging with various manifolds within the VEX because in the chasm 52 on that card, she says she coordinated with a known manifold. So that implies that they're coordinating with lots of different manifolds within this VEX gate network. So it may not just be one. Yeah, no, that's a very, very good point. I'm trying. Bottom of the card. No, I'm looking for the, I think it's the facade of the Hesin Lords. Mm. Well, no, it's not. Never mind. Oh, it's going to annoy me if I can't find this. Like, I mean, the entire Hesin 
armor is just I mean that and the zealot armor is just ridiculously talk it I mean it talks exactly about this entire situation um yeah here it is the prime zealot helm Forge from the cores of Hezen Vex, if you feel a sense of rele- revelation, remove immediately and inject anti- anti-ethiogens. <laughs> Love that one. So basically, uh, an entheogen is um, a chemical substance which basically induces psychological or physiological changes. Uh, it's like peyote. <laughs> Ethogen des- uh, technically means generating the divine within. So Vex Peyote. Vex Peyote. Whoa. Which I think we had a joke when we were talking about the Vex on Mercury and the deja vu with the individuals from New Monarchy. They are licking the frogs. Yes. They should have sent future roll cult people because obviously they have already had exposure to the Vex Peyote and they would have done better than the New Monarchy people. True. So do that. Anyways, do you want to jump to the Ghost Fragment Future War Cult? Green, I think you yeah. had that one. Sure thing. All right. Ghost Fragment Future War Cult. Record 343, Chasm 7887. Subject 22, admitted to the inner circle at 2400. A promising postulate. I regret to say he performed poorly. He was administered the standard medication but refused to enter the device. Aren't people unpredictable? I suppose there'd be no point weren't if they weren't, wouldn't they? Would they? He knows to keep silent. End record. Record 343, chasm 7888. Subject 23 entered the device at 1100, a clever girl from the core district, an artist, before she joined the war cult. At 11.03, she reported a sensation of floating. At 11.06, a sensation of light within the darkness of the device. Between 11.06 and 11.32, she reported these lights variously as white, golden, and blood red. At 11.32, she reported a sensation of someone taking her hand, a stranger, but also herself. Twelve subjects have reported similar experiences. At 11.33, she reported the sensation we have called the opening of the veil. The device recorded temporal displacement of her consciousness to the order of six degrees. At seven, she began screaming. Brain scans near death, removed from the device at 11.34. She believes without question that the device granted her a vision of the future and that it is one of utter darkness. She thanked me for this enlightenment. She said it will make her stronger. Little ghost, are there in the corner of the sanctum? I see you blinking. Are you listening? Are you? End record. Record 343, chasm 7889. The device at 1222, and immediately the device reported displacement of his consciousness. Visions of war and the city in flames. Subject 29 worked the supply channels on the slip before he joined the war cult. By 1227, he was babbling and by end record. Record 343, chasm 7890. We have applied certain refinements to the device. 
Navarro found records of a prototype of the device at a Golden Age laboratory in Tibet, and Harry's team retrieved what was left of it. We are the first to see it operational in who knows how long. Too many subjects come back damaged, mad, for grasping at straws. What do you think, little ghost? And record. Record 343, Chasm 7891. 47 human subjects, 11 reported timelines in which the darkness has already prevailed, 13 report timelines in which the city has fallen, 23 babbled madness, hopeless, trapped. No wonder the device was abandoned. The human mind is too weak for it, too weak to look into the future or to understand what it sees. What the situation called for, little ghost, is a better sort of witness. We found you in pieces in Siberia and repaired you as well as we could. What do you say? Are you well enough to travel? End record. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Definitely. Lots and lots of stuff in there. So what I learned is don't go past six. Yeah. And that one, I mean, there's so many different things to pull out of it. Like opening the veil. It's literally a reference to what a lot of people consider a a biblical type vision where Mm -hmm. you see heaven. That is that is referred to in a lot of fiction like that. Yeah. And then uh, DJ actually just made the point in chat too. Uh, This also points to the fact that the device that they have is not the prototype that Maya had, but they, I'm assuming that's the device they found um, and augmented their device with. (laughs) So, so it's like we jury rigged something that was already jury rigged. This sounds like a great idea. I'm wondering yeah, how much the, duct tape was used. Uh, what was it? Uh, what was the town that was in Bex Five? The town that uh, she's in is a the capital city of Tibet. Oh, so they uh, literally find it within Tibet. Lhasa. Uh huh. Yeah. So they find the original device that they used. At least that's not at Ishtar Collective, the one they used on Earth. And then let's see. Do do do. Um, this is also, again, a nod to the tie in between Maya and the future work cult, because like I was saying, anytime we talk about the device, we're going to have records and the records are going to be in this format. Um, I think the other thing to note for me, at least here, is that this card for me, at least points directly into the mystery cards from the vault of glass, um, by no means do I think we need to read those cards because they're they're pretty decently long in themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of people who have the I think the same theory that the ghost that is recording in the Vault of Glass mystery cards is actually all the same. Uh, that's all the same ghost that has been fragmented into different different timelines. Um, the mystery, the vault of glass is potentially what a lot of people refer to as a Lixney golden age. So maybe, uh, in the past, uh, vault of glass two was a scene of Vex and Exo battling around a golden age ship. So that could be either in the past or it could be in a different universe or it could be in a different timeline. There's a lot of different potentials there. 
And then Vex, or uh, Vex, the Vault of Glass 3 is actually a scene in which, from possibly the future, in which the city survives and flees through space. Um, again, different timeline, same timeline, different universe. You know, possibilities are pretty pretty endless when it starts coming to these to these conversations. So, uh, the thing that stands out to me in both of these cards, probably more than anything else, is the fact that they refer to doing experiments on humans. Mm-hmm. And I know we've had discussions in chat about the human mind is still human when it's in exo form, but I can't help but think that the biological ability of the brain is not compatible with the device for a lot of these people that there may not be just smart enough or able to assimilate the information well enough. And that maybe exos or a ghost or something that is mechanical can't like the Vex can actually navigate through these different timeline movements or visions or whatever you would like to call them. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, I think it is a physical limitation. I do not think it is a psychological limit. Well, I mean, there's, so uh, there's a connection there, but ignoring the connection from physical to psychological, I think it's a definitely a physically rooted issue. Um, because the, trying to remember what it was. It was in um, Kate's journal. Uh, You actually get a glimpse inside the head of a Vex uh, or not a Vex, a uh, Exo. Wow. That would be, Mm -hmm. that would be very telling. Um, Anyways, moving on from that slip, uh, you get the glimpse inside of Cade's head when he's uh, looking at Maya. He says that it, um, he looks at her and in the blink of an eye, his mind goes through like a trillion possibilities. Like they just like flick through. Whereas a human, mm-hmm. you know, you can go through, you can go through quite a few thoughts, but you can go nowhere near that processing speed, um, which kind of backs up the idea that the exos might've been created for exploration of this, this device, which would then, you know, that if that's the case, then that connects Clovis Bray and that entire mess into this also. But um, that's that's the I think that's the link, though, is that's why the exos are kind of more capable of going through time like the exo stranger, because they actually can um, their hardware actually can keep up with the demands. There's the software is fine. The software is okay, but it's the hardware that lags. Just like with a computer, you know, you're, you can have the same programs on two different computers, but if you have a computer that doesn't have the same hardware specs as the other, and the other one has, you know, three times, three times the RAM or three times the processing speed, that computer is going to run faster, even though they are, they are set up on a software status, the exact same, the hardware that is, um, higher spec will always run faster. That's just the way things run. Like, you know, so I think that that has always been the way I think about it when it comes to exos versus humans with the device. So, and the ghost, I'm assuming is the exact, I mean, without the human psychology, the ghost is basically a recording device anyways. So, um, we also know that the future work hold apparently can repair ghosts. Again, I think they use duct tape. 
super strong duct tape. Super, super strong. Golden age duct tape. It makes it makes our it makes our silver duct tape look weak. Yeah, it's got Hello Kitty on it. Not use duct tape. I mean, they're chatting and they're talking in chat right now about can the darkness even uh, destroy duct tape? We all know that's not possible. It's not possible. No, duct tape is like the force. It has a light side, (laughs) a dark side, and it binds the universe together. Do we want to move on to the city age card? Yeah, let's let's do that. So, Ghost Fragment City Age. And so it is agreed. The Concordat shall no longer be recognized among the consensus. We'll begin the dismantling right away. But what of those guardians who've pledged to them? We can't afford any more banishments. I'm sure Zavala can see to their realignment. We'll do our best. Lysander chose his followers wisely. It may take some time. Lysander will not back down. He'll continue his crusade from wherever we stuff him. And so we'll need to find some new ideas to replace his. The symmetry has been gaining a strong following. Ulantan's teachings are too dangerous. Too much fear. Who knew he'd be more troubled dead than alive? We'll need to refocus our collective minds on combat. The speaker is anxious to regain ground we lost after the gap. There is the war cult. Too secretive. Have you ever tried to talk to one of their soldiers? Like a child, answering questions with questions. They are dedicated to the war. Which one? Good question. Zavala? They seem focused, strong, more interesting than worrisome. Let's take it to a vote. All in favor of the ascension of the future war cult. Unanimous. Good. We'll grant the future war cult access to the tower and a seat among us. Ghost. Please offer the speaker this proposal. Now on to the next order of business. Shax is here with another proposal for his crucible. Boom. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history. Um, Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's actually applicable. Um. So this is basically, again, this is the bringing of the future war cult into the consensus and elevating them from a minor faction to a major faction. I think, I mean, it's pretty, pretty cut and dry on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. So, um, that's pretty much the primary grimoire cards for the future war cult. Now, that is by no means to say that is all the information we have on the future war cult. <laughs> There's tons. Um, specifically about the device, which again, we will be getting to very, probably very shortly. Uh, so the next, the next kind of part, I wanted to talk about the connections that are kind of mentioned within the future war cult. We kind of already mentioned a few of these, but uh, Pradith is one again from the no time to explain, uh, exotic quest you kind of actually find out that Pradith's ghost is actually documenting things for the future war cult at a level that only only a few can authorize so Pradith was Pradith was either either Pradith was a sleeper agent for the future war cult or he was a high member in their inner circle um which then obviously points to the connection between the stranger and the future war cult. We will 
we will be swinging back around to talk about that connection with a theory that, like I said, there's a theory about that. Um, the consensus, obviously, the City Age Ghost Fragment card that we just read, uh, the consensus is the the conglomerate of the three major factions, uh, the Speaker, and then the Vanguard. Um, that's really the connection, their political connection. Uh, the Machine. So we've talked about the machine, which is also the device. This kind of gives us a, I start, I'm starting to feel like I'm talking about Kevin Bacon at this point because it's just ridiculous. Um, The machine in turn has connections to Ishtar Academy, which is via Maya and Kiyoma's first appearance in the grimoire, uh, which is in the ghost fragment Vex one through four. And then Vex five is obviously the one that we read earlier. Um, the relationship is established at Ishtar Academy. Uh, Maya and Kiyoma, you know, either were already married or they go on to be married shortly after that incident. Um, the Vex 5 card uh, takes place 40 years after what I assume the incident in Vex 4 is. We're not really sure uh, what event they are talking about, but she does mention that it's 40 years after an incident that apparently was very damaging to all of them. Uh, then that brings us to the connection to Clovis Bray. Uh, so Maya is working for Clovis Bray in Lhasa. Uh, it was actually, uh, there's a theory that this device that she was working on could have been the Sisyphus device. Not really sure on that one um, because we have a, we have a class item for the Sisyphus device. I call it the minion ring. Uh, it's, actually one of the few reasons i'd be interested in playing a warlock because i could get that but um the connection there is that maya is the the one who establishes the format that all the scientists are to keep their notes in regards to their findings within the device um and then she also she's the one who leaves the project in order to rejoin chioma uh we don't know if she did uh or if she didn't make it but the team had already started to view the device as if it was a demigod, um, which made, and then they, there, there's the entire comment about, you know, after, after the experience is in this device, the reality, the real reality is nothing more than a frayed veil. I think they were a little bit hopped up on Vex peyote, but Isn't it, I mean, does that make you think though, kind of like the idea of worshiping the darkness, though, the way that machine, they start reflecting towards that machine that way i um i think to be to be honest um i draw a really strong connection between their their reverence for this device and the vex's reverence for the black heart yeah i can totally see that um because I, i don't i don't really have any like proof for that connection but whenever whenever you talk about like drawing parallels between their feelings for this device that's the first thing that pops in my head um and it's i mean yes it has pieces of vex in it the vex are biological um so they would theoretically if there was something to cause this effect they could theoretically feel this effect as well even though the the only like big 
counter argument to this is that the fact is that it is the Vex radioloras that are making them feel this way. So I don't know where the Vex's euphoria would come from. Um, but no, because they talk about how they that the machine is unpredictable, so they create a ritual type situation to try yeah to, to appease it. Yeah, they give it they That's, give it a personality. It's creepy. Yeah, anthropomorphize this machine. Mm-hmm. Because it's a living metal. What did I say that? Uh huh. <clears throat> All right, and then my favorite connection ever. Osiris, uh, there is a single, a single record in which the Chasm and Bridge record format is not used, and that is the Eclipse record. We have one record that is labeled Eclipse, and there has been a couple people who have made the argument that Osiris actually has a copy of this machine uh, or similar device to this, and this is actually could potentially be the way that he quote mastered the vex network there's also if you start digging in and i made all these notes we we not only mind mapped for this um this episode but we also mind map all of the device records and put them in chronological or not chronological we put them in order on their in their numerical order um and then segregated them out based on type uh, so this is actually the eclipse record is from the ghost fragment dead orbit card. Um, and it has pretty much next to nothing to do with future work at all. Um, however, the connection is that it is something from a device because of the, then that argument can be made because of the format in which it's talking about the argument for the connection to Osiris is that throughout this whole thing, the visions that they mention talk about keyholes, which Osiris uh, actually quote. There's a quote from Osiris in game about the keyholes. Um, and then also the eye and also the definition of eclipse. Uh, there's actually a theory that there could be something that Osiris is doing with his machine that is actually kind of eclipsing the other people's perceptions. Because if you, again, understand these ships as or understand these devices as mind ships, then you might be able to interfere with other devices if you had a device themselves. So there's a, there's a couple interesting connections there. And then there's also the uh, theory from earlier that we talked about from back in episode 31 about what's his face being the, uh, the mortal version of Osiris. So I'm trying to think, Oh, and then the vault of glass connections which the really interesting one is Atheon's last thoughts. Um, it's actually a quest that deals with Lakshmi too. And the flavor text says passion and paradox aid the vision. Simplicity requires complexity, resent the joke, glimpse the chasm. These are the final thoughts of Atheon times conflux. Um, so not only is this something that you have to go to Lakshmi to do, it actually does reference the chasm that is inside of the records. And then finally we have Raspy. Raspy. This is my favorite. <laughs> um, so there is a really, it, this is, this actually took me a while to, to kind of dig up. Um, 
so Rasputin is a war mind. Duh. We know that there was an advisory war mind um, on Venus who assisted with their their entire oopsies. And then we know that there's a war mind on Earth. Well, the primary war mind on Earth we know is Rasputin. So Rasputin was involved in this. Then there's the little connection here about the SXISR, which is an intelligence gathering device. If you look at Ghost Fragment Darkness, I don't think we need to read the entire card. But if you look at the very, what is it, second line, AI com, Rasputin, so it's he's communicating to the other AIs and is designated as Rasputin. Soul Succinct, which is basically the solar system, slash slash SXISR slash slash deep space. Contact, contact, contact. Rasputin just used the device to learn about the darkness entering our solar system. Creepy. Because that's not, <laughs> that's not disturbing at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to go from that other than the fact that Rasputin a, we know Rasputin really wants to learn how to time travel and B, he just used the device to detect something that shouldn't have been able to be detected by just a machine to be kind of honest. The darkness is not a physical presence. So yeah, have fun. And it's not, it's not causal. It's not paracausal. It's a causal. Yeah. And the only so it's not something that runs parallel to causation. It's something that is without causation completely. Yeah, and so the only comment that he has is transient. What is it? Transient null source null Extra type solar. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it doesn't have a source. It doesn't have a type, but it's transient, which is basically a momentary variation in current voltage or frequency. It lasts for only a short time. It's impermanent. So basically, <laughs> he's looking in right. deep space, and. Oh, there's a there's a there's a radar blip. Right, and I mean it's it's right in Vex Five Ghost Fragment Vex Five. The SXISR mm-hmm. is in the original lines about the, it being an intelligence. Yeah, at the beginning, yeah, it's it's like oh god, what <laughs> is this guy getting into? Now the the only defense that I have is that they weren't able to get it to work reliably, and so. Because they also make make that comment is that's why they're trying to get it to work reliably is because they want it to be used for intelligence. So yeah, he uh, yeah Sky Dragon just put in chat. Did Rasputin gain a level of self awareness because of the device? Oh, that's a good point. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it's assumed that. I mean, we assume war minds are purely mechanical and AI. We you know, but. We have exos. We have vex. I mean, how how did a pure mechanic, how did a a software use a device that seems to only trigger biological means? Though they did dump a ghost into it, so mm-hmm. did the ghost gain self awareness? Oh my god, are we gonna have like a baby Rasputin ghost? <laughs> That'd be amazing. 
Um, I do want to say the um, bootstrap test that they run. That's a pretty much another another reference to the the same type of model as the merchant and the alchemist, which is just a, a causal loop um, in which you can send a piece of information back in time or an object, but eventually it'll just get caught up in a self-replicating loop. Um, kind of like SIVA. Yeah, I would say so. Replicate. Yeah, DJ DJ's going off on the Rasputin connection in chat. He's like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh!" So now he made it. Actually, that's a good point. How did Rasp did did Rasputin use the device to get into the Black Garden to witness the fight that he speaks about in the Rasputin card, where he's watching it. Rasputin made it deeper into the device than anybody else ever did because he talks about going to nine Sigma and the only depth that we know of anybody else going to is what? Six or eight? Just eight straight six. six. No, because um, um, Maya went to somebody eight. Somebody goes to eight. Maya went to eight. <laughs> or she approached eight. I don't know if she ever got to eight. But yeah, that's that's the point too is that Rasputin was able to use it in a more efficient manner because he's not biological. Right. So not to, not to give you guys nightmares. Have fun. No, no, please don't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So to move on to a bit more lighthearted aspects, we're going to, you want to talk about the armor real quick? Yeah. Let's talk about the really, really optimistic set of armor, uh, the No Tomorrow set. Yeah, <laughs> I love the optimism of the this this group. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the No Tomorrow. I think the No Tomorrow and the Astro Lord are actually the exact same uh, as far as flavor text. Yeah, except the Astro Lord doesn't have a Titan or a Warlock class item that I could find, which was. Haha. Ha. Um, so no tomorrow said, Justin, you want to read the flavor text breakdown of the different pieces? Yeah. Yeah, sure can. Um, let me see. So the uh, no tomorrow set for the helmet, it says the fiercest contest lies ahead. This is irrefutable. The chest says war is the struggle to exist. Everything real is a combatant. The arms say accept war as a fundamental process, not a transient condition. The legs say when the last war comes, we will be the victors. Um, And then broken down by class, um, Hunter, for the class item, tomorrow you will be as yesterday was. There will always be a battle to be won. For the Titan, it says passion and patience in equal measure will open the unlimited way. For the warlock, it says, for every dead yesterday, there waits a new dawn with no promise of tomorrow. Oh my God, that's the worst fortune cookie ever. (laughs) That's so awful. Best fortune cookie ever. (laughs) For every dead yesterday, there waits a new dawn with no promise of tomorrow. It's like, for every dead yesterday, oh, there waits a new dawn. Oh, 
with no promise of tomorrow. <laughs> ah. That's the yo-yo statement. <laughs> the yo-yo statement. Down, up, down. Uh, so, yeah, like we said, the the Astro Lord, exactly the same. Correct. Except for the hunter has a class item that's different. Oh, yes, and that's right. The class item reads, History's lords have ever painted the future in tones of fire and shadow. Well, aren't you just a little ray of sunshine? <laughs> uh, um, let's see, Blue, you want to grab the infinite, infinite lines? lines yeah, the infinite lines one's kind of a mess. Um, this infinite lines is actually another set of record, um, from the device. And so the helmet starts off. Let me see. Let me make sure that I'm going to read these in order because I think, yeah. Okay. Actually let's start with the class item class item says it's record three forty chasm null. Have fun with that. Uh, the quote is pulled the subject from the device. He appeared frozen no vitals, but the body hasn't rotted either, end quote. So they don't have to worry about a morgue for that individual. Um, and then next we have the helmet, which is record 342, chasm 6827. Quote, I saw darkness, no light, no earth, no air, only darkness. I, I can't breathe, end quote. And then let's make sure. Then the next is chest, and that is record 344, chasm 6872. And the quote is, I saw myself slaying the darkness. That's what I saw. End quote. He's very, very happy about that. Totally rad, dude. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> Did you guys try this Vex peyote? Never mind. Um, next, we have Legs, which is record 345 in Chasm 6736. Quote, every time I look, the darkness just grows larger. End quote. And then finally, we have the Arms, which everyone will have fun with this one. Record 351, Chasm 6915. Quote, I saw three queens. No, two. No, just one. End quote. Toland. <laughs> Mind blown. So there Isn't you guys have it. Proof proof that Toland went crazy inside the device. That's nearly a quote from some of his teachings, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. His, his, he presumably uh, got it from someone else. Yeah, his entire explanation of sword logic is the parable or the parallel uh, or parable of the three queens, um, which is where you get out of game a lot of connections to John Toland, who was a free thinking philosopher. Um, but we will not go down that that road. Do you guys green? You want to grab the Eon Tracer? Yeah. All right. So. To go in order for these guys too, it starts with Izaz Pendulum, which is record 360, chasm 2334. Quote, first test of the me- mechanism, code name Izaz Pendulum, was not ideal, end quote. Then it goes to the legs, which is record 448, chasm 6565. Quote, I feel like every time I find the thread, it slips through my fingers. 
followed by the gloves record 448 chasm 6808 quote i can never find the beginning the place where the path forks and we move to record 449 chasm 6263 which is for the hood and the mask quote it's too much turn it off let me out no finally do it do it now and we'll finally end with the plate vest and robes which is record 449 chasm 6887 eternity stream past me like shooting stars end quote that's the tracer set kind of fun you know peppy at times I just want to talk yeah. about. I want to talk about Yazaza's pendulum. Go ahead. Time and place. Time and pl- you mean I don't need to have patience and time? No, uh, no. <laughs> I have one of those. You have no Take time advantage to explain of it. this. Oh no! So you, you I think it's Yazaza's yep. pendulum. Uh, <laughs> It says first test of the mechanism code name Yazaz's pendulum was not ideal, and that's record three sixty chasm two three three four. So there is, if uh, if you look at the item Yazaz's pendulum, first off, it's a Titan artifact, which is kind of odd. But second off, um, it actually looks like the unerring compass. Actually, it's very similar to the unerring compass, which mm-hmm. is a device that always points to the traveler. Have fun with that thought. And the 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 theory that I'm a big fan of is that the pendulum is very similar to the Thanatonauts lullaby. It's something that they use to help assist people get into a mindset that would make them more susceptible to the device. In the same way that a Thanatot Thanatots lullaby, gosh, I'm butchering words tonight. The lullaby helps uh, uh, helps ease the passing. Um, this would help ease the individual into using the device. So, yeah. The other thing it looks like, though, Blue, and I'm going to go down this road, it mm-hmm. looks like the inside mm-hmm. part of the gun that we get after completing the King's Fall raid that you have to go, and it has the, the touch of mouse. Uh-huh. It looks like the little floating part on the inside. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. You know what else that much. looks like? The black heart. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Like the little apparatus that spins around the little mm-hmm. bit of darkness. I'm curious, though, because the... Oh, my gosh. I need to get a high-res image of this, then, because I just had a thought. The Touch of Malice has a set of runes on the spokes of the the arms Um, yeah there's a set of runes on there that you can actually read um i'm curious i can't see on yazaz's pendulum i know that they have the grecian spirals on the outer arm but i'm curious if there's any indication or indentations on the actual um oh what are those called the the spinning thingies Oh yeah, the gyros. It's a gyroscope. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose my mind because I can't remember the, the gyro. Gimbals, a, gimbals. 
Oh. That's what I was trying to think. Oh yeah, like like in an airplane. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, there's a really funny word for it. So yeah, um, on the touch of malice, the gimbal has a I think it's four or five runes etched into the 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 main gimbal, and then on the pendulum here, there's the outer frame has the decorative um, scroll work or the Grecian, you know esque scroll work oh someone just sent me yeah i put one in discord yeah it doesn't look like there's any runes yeah Uh -uh. but see if you if you look really close at yazaz's pendulum the inner the inner orb that's blue if you look at the black heart or the touch of malice it's a pulsating um i don't know what you would call it politely globule yes that. uh it's a yeah it's a globule of hivey hiveness i was just about to say it's a globule of hivey hiveness <laughs> that's exact so like i think this is a little bit more refined um obviously it's it's more vexy i guess um but if you look at the unerring compass on top of that it's the same shade of blue of on the compass now the compass is obviously very much more a compass whereas this is much more like a um a hypnosis pendulum um which is where the theory for the pendulum comes from to help an individual get into like a meditative stance or meditative position because the entire concept of hypnosis is to open your brain or open your mind up to suggestions um so that's the theory that I really, really like about Yazaz's pendulum. Um, yeah. I would also say that the pendulum itself could be used for scrying. That's yes. That's another use for pendulum. So it kind of throws us back into the astral projection and how the device might work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also want to say that it doesn't look like a pendulum. <laughs> well, it, uh, it kind of does. Because if if you so a pendulum like a basic pendulum like a quartz pendulum um, usually has a it's it's a chain um, and then yeah, there's usually a a ball at one end that you would hold and there there's usually a and it it differs but it's usually like an opalisk or a cone shape figure yeah a prism um, and that's for scrying purposes, basically what you do is you have a, a scrying board and then you would hold the pendulum over the scrying board and do whatever you're going to do. The pendulum actually would pick up the energies that you're, you're tapping into, I guess, and ro- would swing to where it's kind of like a... Um, uh, Justin, I'm trying to think of something you would recognize. Dowsing rod. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know how you like with the dowsing rod, how you find yeah. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's exactly that's what happens with the scrying. It's like it like it like inches to the where whatever. Anyways, imagine that as a pendulum, but instead of a prism at the bottom of it, it has the big spike. Got gyroscope. I got gotcha. you. Okay, cool. It's just the piece without the chain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's it's off the chain. Yeah, it's. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> so, um, before we get too far off, you want to go back base, to imminent war? Yes, yeah, we can do the imminent war. Uh, I don't think these are in any special order. No, these are. Um, 
The helmets says helmets can't protect against attacks from within. So if you lose your mind, doesn't matter if your noggin's okay. The chest says conflict is the mother of reality. The arms tomorrow will not be easily tamed. The legs tear through chaos, leave it in ash. And the class item for the hunter, a new dawn breaks, feel how it burns. And the Titan, the subtlest of wars is still leave their marks. And the warlock, the next war is already here. Waged in the theater of inmost of the inmost. So I'm gonna I got a little confession. I always misread this armor set as being imminent. It's not imminent, as in about to happen, which would also kind of make sense in a weird kind of future war culty way. But it is immanent. I m m a n e n t meaning existing or operating within, inherent, or of God, permanently pervading and sustaining the universe. So much more wide-reaching definition there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also I've always misread that. Yeah, I've always misread that. So, um, And then, obviously, Justin yeah, Justin Fail. Uh, so then you have the two, like we have, we have a number of exotic class items. Uh, there's the mark. Well, there's actually five, which is fun fact. Um, the hunter only has the chaos cloak. We got a chaos cloak for year one and then a chaos cloak for year three. Whereas the Titans got mark of the circle for year one and mark of chaos for year three. And the warlocks got circle of war and then the chaos constant. So uh, these are, again, just quotes. Uh, let's see. Mark of the Circle, which is the first year of for the Titan. It says, history's lords have ever painted the future in tones of fire and shadow. And then Circle of War, which was, again, year one for the warlock, says, understanding is not an end, but a beginning from which new truths are born which I really actually kind of like mark of chaos, which is again, year year three for the Titans is there is no doubt that our future will be one in battle. And then the chaos constant, which again, year three warlocks is darkness consumes, but we shall mark the abyss with eternal fire. And then finally the chaos cloak, there is no doubt that our future will be won in battle. So they just copied the mark of chaos. Um, and that's, that's the kind of the armor set stuff. Do, oh my gosh, we have so much more stuff. Uh-huh. Um, real quick emblems, not a whole lot <laughs> in the emblems as usual. Uh, there are six that I could find. I might be missing some, but those are the Sigil of Deviance, Sigil of the Burning Dawn, Sigil of the Coming War, Sigil of the Eternal Light, Sigil of the War Cult, and then the very original Sigil of the War Cult 2. I kind of want to call it Junior. Uh, the, uh. <laughs> the only kind of, yeah, Deviance is the only one that kind of was like, could there be something? 
not really. <laughs> it's just deviance means the fact or state of departing from usual or accepted standards, especially in social or sexual behavior. Have fun with that. You're a deviant. That's all I got. Like, I mean, the, the emblems were kind of, eh. Um, they look the best. Oh my God. Here we go. Only but one we of can, them. Only one of only them. One of yeah. Them. I, Coming I, I, war. It's the best emblem in the game. Is that the spray paint one? Spray paint one. Yeah. The spray paint one is pretty cool. I will give you that. Mm-hmm. Do we want to look at the shaders really quick? Not because they have a lot of information, but because it's they're They got an intriguing pattern to them. Yeah. Yeah. Go right ahead. All right. So naming conventions for the shaders. We have four shaders. The naming convention is going to be for the future war cult shaders is going to be an ancient city with a four digit number. Fun fact. I cannot for the life of me find out what that number means. I have run it through pretty much anything I can think of. Can't figure it out. So if you know or if you know someone who knows or if they know someone who knows who so knows, please let me know because it's kind of driving me insane. So we have Babylon 9191, Carthage 0100, Nineveh 8611, and Tyr 4470. Two of those cities are from Mesopotamia, and two of them come from Phoenician roots. This is kind of where it starts getting a little bit more interesting, especially when you start realizing that the representative is Lakshmi too. There's a certain geographical region that you start associating with future war cult here. Um, for for basically what this is, Babylon is the major city in Mesopotamia. Uh, well, used to be major city of Mesopotamia. The remains of the city are located in present day Iraq. Um, and it actually, the hanging gardens of Babylon, the hanging gardens of Babylon was actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. During the years between 1770 and 1670 BC and 612 and 320 BC, it was also estimated that it was the largest city in the world. Um, and it is also theorized that Babylon was the first city to reach and exceed a population of 200,000 people which is, for that time period, simply amazing. Um, jumping to Carthage, real, just real quick history lessons with these because there's some pretty, pretty cool stuff in there. Carthage was the capital city of the ancient Carthaginian civilization. It was located on the eastern side of Lake of Tunis, which is basically the present-day Tunis government in Tunisia. And the city developed from a Phoenician colony into the capital of an empire that dominated the Mediterranean Sea during the first millennium BC. This was the home of Hannibal Barca, who was the individual who challenged the power of Rome itself for 15 years before Scipio Africanus defeated him in the Battle of Zama in 202 BC. Hannibal was the guy who took elephants over the Himalayas to challenge Italy and he literally scared the beepity-beep out of the Romans. Um, and Carthage was Carthage has a really, really, really long history. Um, actually, all of these do. But basically, after its destruction in the Third Punic War, so not only did they do this once, no, they challenged Rome's authority three times, and they were ultimately destroyed in fourteen or 146 B.C., 
it actually was rebuilt as a Roman Carthage. Oh, yes, Pins. Thank you. Not Himalayas, Alps. I'm geographically challenged sometimes. Um, it was rebuilt as Roman Carthage and went on to become the major city of the Roman Empire in the African province. Um, and then during the Muslim conquest of the Maghreb in 698 BC, it was actually occupied and abandoned until 20th century when it was under it underwent development and was incorporated into modern the world in 1919. So Carthage is actually still around. Um, Nineveh was an ancient Assyrian city of upper Mesopotamia and was actually the largest city in the world for 50 years until 612 BC, which is when Babylon became the, lar- the largest city. When after a civil war in Assyria, it was actually sacked completely. It's gone nearly. Um, the ruins are located across the river from present day Mosul. Um, so it is literally just piles of rocks at this point. Um, Babylon actually still has some ruins. This, this city has nothing. And then finally Tyr. Uh, this was a city in the South government of Lebanon. And it again is an ancient Phoenician city. It's also the legendary birthplace of Europa and Dido. Um, and the name means rock, which was uh, which basically they were very original it's really rocky there good job guys (laughs) you guys are doing amazing jobs with the naming conventions uh today it is still around and today is the fourth largest city in lebanon and is the house of one of its major ports so again a little bit of geographical and historical trivia with a correction from pens thank you pens Apparently, it's the Alps, not the Himalayas, because blue is geographically challenged. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, that's it. Shaders, if you know what the numbers mean, or if you have an inkling or theory of what the numbers mean, please let me know, because I'd be curious, because I've, I've, I've tried pretty much every manipulation I can think of, and I don't, I don't see any connections. Babylon 1919 was a movie. Yeah, that That's was like the I that thought. was the only one that actually returned something. Like if you but if yeah. you do the same if you do the same manipulation to all the others, it yeah, it, yeah no. nothing. <laughs> it's like curse you her chain. It's an ARG code. No, <laughs> no. I don't need another one of those. And it's not even all binary. If it was uh, binary, it wouldn't be that. Yeah, bad. no, I tried. I tried to run it through the binary. And it just sort of freaking, you yeah, unlock. It's the, just it's hexadecimal. No, it's not. It's not. I've tried that. <laughs> nope. It's also not a. It's not a color code. Um, yeah. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. No, I looked it be, up. I looked it up. Not. I was like, it would be really cool if it was like a color code and like it was the future workhold colors. You know, like, it would be, I think that would be kind of cool. No, it's not. Um, I I got the, I had to find the color palette for future war cults. So I know exactly what the numbers are. So, huh. Are they similar to any of those? No, uh-huh. not even in the least bit. So basically I was right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Let's move on to things that we actually do know some stuff about. Do you want to talk about the ships real quick, or do you want to actually get into the the meat? Uh, there's not much with the ships, I don't think. 
there there the is Teal Heart War has a pretty yeah. cool backstory. <laughs> I was about to say there there is with the Teal Heart War, but we're going to talk about that with a couple other connections. Yeah, so I think we can move on to uh, ideas from chat. Ideas from chat. All right, we need to make a sound clip for that. Yeah, you do. Okay, that's my next project. Um, real quick, Green, you want to talk about the device record breakdown? I know we mentioned that a little bit, but yeah, we actually used it, or at least I know. I think you and I both used it whenever we're reading through the armor mm-hmm. sets. Um, it's pretty interesting just to see the mixture of it because most of the sets stay complete as far as the within the card. So Ghost Fragment Vex Five. All of the records are in order from zero through 52. There's a lot of things missing in between. Then we jump to record 30 within the infinite line set, 30 or 34, uh, 340, excuse me. And that's that chasm null. So one of the things we talked about, and I think it was Mako and I, that or is it Mako? Chocolate yeah. shark. We talked Chocolate about- shark. Yes. We talked about uh what the numbers and what the what they might represent. If it was time frame or if it was a certain person using it, that kind of thing. And there's nothing that's super conclusive other than in Ghost Fragment Vex Five, it's all uh I'm blanking on her name. Maya. Maya is it? No, it's not Maya that's uh, sending it. Chioma. Chioma, thank you. Chioma is the one that's sending it out, and it's all record zero. So it could just be within the same. Wait, wait, wait. Vex five, Vex five is Maya sending it to Chioma. She's recording oh. it. She's talking okay, to so... Chioma, but it's Maya because then she says that she can't take the journal with her. Okay, I don't have it pulled up right now, so mm-hmm. memory's bad on that. No, yeah, that's but fine because. Yeah, at the very end, it's um, she's talking about how she talks to another Maya, holding like she's she's mm-hmm. talking to another Maya. She she was watching. As... She watched Chioma talk to another Maya, and then she said, "I'm yeah. leaving, and I'm going to rejoin you." Because Maya or uh, Chioma was out, out past. I think she was on Europa at that point, or. One of one of the icy moons, Hyperion. Hyperion. Uh, she was right. she with Hyperion, and um, Mayo was leaving to rejoin, join up with her. It was one of the well. It was one of the forks that she was talking to, and the yeah, record, right, 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 right. So that's the only one that pretty much stays within the same, except for when we get into the future War Cult card, and that's all record three or three. Which is, it's fun, but everything else, it's, there's not a whole lot of lines that tie to each other in these really at all. This seems like a bunch of random experiments. You guys have any thought on that? Uh, well, I know with, with the numeric system, what I'm, my thoughts at least were on it was, you know, obviously they are increasing in number. Uh, for record purposes. Um, uh-huh. So like that gives you an idea of how to read the records um, because you would obviously start at, you know, zero and work your way up. There is a, now 
where I think there's a bit of distinction here is that there's a possibility of the way to read the labels in regards to not the record, but actually whether or not it's a chasm, a bridge or an eclipse. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I made this note on the mind map actually. And I said, you know, possible manner of reading the labels Uh, record number is literally just the identification of the attempt number. Uh, It's just, you know, this is record number, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the, the determination of what type of attempt it was. You have a chasm, which seems to be kind of a passive viewing of an event. Uh, Predominantly, these were in the future. I think all of them that we have. No, there was a couple who could be potentially in the past. Um, Bridge, which seems to be a literal traveling within time space to a specific location or time. Um, Maybe possibly to one of the chasms that were being observed and then you have the one eclipse uh again we only have the one record but if you look and i kind of mentioned this before if you look at the definition of eclipse which is an obscuring of the light from one celestial body by the passage of another between it and the observer or between it and its source of illumination it actually hints that another form of observation is actually interfering with another observer so there's and then there's also a connection to the cult of Osiris because with the context of the individual record that we have at the moment regards to the eye um, and the keyholes and all that that we already we already kind of spoke about. Um, then I know, well, we know for a fact that the the records are not all from the same device, but um, the future war cult was a model that was built and then later upgraded or augmented with the prototype. Um, And then theoretically what that could mean is that if those upgrades continued, you could potentially explain the transformation from a chasm to a bridge type examination. If you refer to the bridge as actual traveling while chasm is actually just looking um, the other the other connection for regarding chasms as ways of seeing is the Atheon memory. I think it's glimpse into the chasm. I think was what. Make sure, make sure I am re I'm remembering that correctly. Glimpse the chasm. Um, he also resents jokes. Apparently, he's not a very funny person. Um, but yeah, so that's that's for the record, like reading the records and stuff like that. Um, within the, the other, and then let me kind of step back also for the bridge, especially um, the reason why I kind of think a bridge as an actual traveling is that we, this is actually not the only time that we hear about a bridge through time. Uh, there is a mention of it in the echo chamber card because that's how the Vex restore things. Um, namely the Nexus mind that is very important to them. Um, they actually build a bridge through time in which to take the Nexus from another time and bring it into this time. Um, and so if that is actually what this is, this is actual bridge through time. Not only would it go a long way of explaining the nature of these records, um, all of which the records for bridges come from the stranger, but you know, that would explain them as scientific documentation of her travels through time. Again, maybe over some of these chasms. 
but it also would solidify again the connection between this device and the Vex because that's another you know mention there. So I think that the the only one that we have with numbers that don't follow just the obvious getting larger as you're going kind of thing is through the bridge when it's mm-hmm. talking about the stranger because we have record it goes in order when it comes to the record numbers record right. 4 92 120 but as soon as we get to the bridge numbers it literally starts descending and then it jumps around a little bit yeah would you i kind of always seen that as a way that when the stranger is jumping she's jumping from um area to area but also from one event to another event within the timeline or even from one timeline to the next. Yes. Because it talks about in various things like the ghost knows where she's at in the final one, but there's not that same feeling earlier on in the records. Yeah. And then she has the comment of like the right, right when wrong, where or something like, or right Mm -hmm. where wrong, when or something. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think, I mean, that also kind of potentially points to, again, a connection between the bridge and the chasms um, because the record itself, you know, is I think the record is always going to increase, whereas the 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 attempt will not necessarily it's an identification of. So the record is an identification of the attempt number and the attempt location is actually so you can have you know multiple records at the same location but they're going to be record like uh record one just for example record one chasm 10 record two chasm 10 i could expect Mm -hmm. seeing that uh similar with the bridge i could have seen i would assume that like that would be similar there too though it might not if bridge is actually traveling there might be some paradoxical reason you could not repeat a travel um, what about what it could could it possibly be a countdown to when it actually meets the guardian? Yeah, that's I think the, the I'm too. trying to remember the in the stranger card. I think that's actually what because I think the record bridge 1.2 is at the temple and bridge 10.7 is. Well, bridge 10.7 is not absolutely useless. Um, Like, yeah, I think it's a countdown to meeting our guardian, which again, there's, there's, there's so many things like, cause then you, you beg the question of like, what is it about our guardian that is so important? Um, You know, and then like, you know, she, she's followed our guardian. We know that from the stranger from bridge, like 2.1. Uh, and she the used card. and the Rasputin card. Um, and then the, uh, the 1.2 two is, or 1.2 also is another one where she kind of like the stranger kind of makes a point of calling out our guardian, especially. So there's something about our guardian that is very important to that person or to that individual. Um, so yeah, I mean, but again, I think chasm is just looking. Bridge is actually traveling, and then eclipse is. I I personally think eclipse has got something to do with Osiris, um, and you know, there's 
there's tons of connections there. The, the like I've already said, you know, the eclipse, the definition. Uh, we know Osiris was sending missions past the reef. <laughs> that was part of the reason he would get in trouble. Uh, so, this, so the whole record could be a record of someone that he sent, or or he could be sending someone because of this record. Um, you know, get a little spin foily here is, you know, what if, you know, we know that Osiris had a big bone to pick about some secret with the speaker, and that was a bone big enough to provide a a schism, right? Um, what if he intercepted this eclipse record? And this was the reason why, you know, he got he got so pissy with him. You know, I mean there's there's a lot of possibility there. Uh I'm not saying that there's any indication that that's exactly it, but we do know that this person is past the reef is, you know, I think this is the A13 card, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember with the ships and yeah. It, yeah. No, I know it's, it's the one where he's like begging the ghost. Yeah. It's begging the ghost to wake up and he's like, please have enough battery to, mm-hmm. and he's, Oh, and he's an arc of the dead orbit, you know, yeah, it, it, I mean, there's there's so many connections here to Osiris in my mind that I don't really see. I personally see this as being Osiris's manner of exploring the Vex network, but I know that that it, if you had to if if you had to make me point to something concrete, I couldn't. That's just the right. feeling I get for that one. But yeah, that the device records are amazing. Um, I'm trying to think, do we want to jump? I think we, we touched on the history of the future war cult. Uh, I'm going to link an amazing, uh, breakdown of that, uh, beta chieftain from the destiny lore cast. Actually, he put up a post over on Reddit on the destiny lore Reddit. And I'm going to link that because it's it's a very very good breakdown of kind of the the Vex Five card and how it connects to everything. Um, there's also a Reddit post that kind of touches on the Zaz's Pendulum theory, and that's from the uh, the guy in blue two. Again, over on Destiny Lore subreddit, I'll link that in show notes as well. Um, if you guys get a chance, definitely read those two out. They're very well done. Um, do you want to talk about teal hard real quick? I think I can, I think I can knock that out pretty fast. Go for it. So do it, do it. All right. So teal hard, teal hard. There was a pretty good conversation about teal hard in chat during the week. Um, teal hard is actually, uh, was his first name? Philippe, Philippe teal hard, uh, who was this a- shout out. Yes. I'm going to refer I'm going to refer to you after in a second. Um a French idealist philosopher and a Jesuit priest who trained as a paleontologist and a geologist and took part in the discovery of Peking Peking man. Um he conceived the idea of omega point, which is a maximum level of complexity and consciousness towards which he believed the universe was evolving and developed Vladimir Vernansky's concept of noosphere. Noosphere. So a couple things to kind of exp- 
the and on there. Peking man is the example of Homo erectus discovered in 1923 to 1927 during excavations near what is now known as Beijing. Uh, Teilhard took over that study. Actually, he was actually in charge of that study from 1934 all the way to 1941. So he was he was there for a pretty decent amount of time studying that. Uh, jumping over to the Omega Point, this is actually a very very important bit of trivia when it comes to the future work hold. The Omega Point is a spiritual belief that everything in the universe is fated to spiral towards a final point of divine unification. Teilhard argued that the Omega Point resembles the Christian Logos, namely Christ, who draws all things unto himself, who, in the words of the Nicene Creed, is God from God, life from light, true God from true God, and through him all things were made. Um, so, obviously, you know, Teilhard is a Jesuit priest. He's arguing from that point of view. Um, but the Omega Point is also used a lot of times in, you know, more popular culture and in science uh, fiction as the concept of an ever, ever even ever evolving in the sense of going up ever evolving form of evolution towards a progressively higher point of being uh again it's the maximum level of complexity and consciousness towards which everything is evolving um and then that kind of brings us to the noosphere this one gets a little little complex the noosphere is basically the sphere of human thought, and Teilhard introduced this concept in 1922 in a book called Cosmogenesis, and through its full conceptualization, it actually was the combination of thought between Vladimir Vernensky, Eduardo, Eduardo Leroy, and Pierre de Teilhard de Chardin. And I'm going to quote a couple of things here. And this, this quote is from the 1959 version of the Phenomenon of Man. He says, quote, For Teilhard, the noosphere is the sphere of thought encircling the earth that has emerged through evolution as the consequence of this growth in complexity and consciousness. The noosphere is therefore as much part of nature as the barosphere, lithosphere, hydrosphere, atmosphere, and biosphere. As a result, Teilhard sees the social phenomenon as the culmination of and not the attenuation of the biological phenomenon, end quote. So basically, this is a social phenomenon, which is part of the noosphere and includes, just for example, legal, educational, religious, research, industrial, and technological systems. So in this sense, the noosphere emerges through and is constituted by the interaction of human minds. Um, the noosphere thus grows in step with the organization of the human mass in relation to itself. And as it, so as it grows in population, the noosphere is growing. Teilhard argued that the noosphere actually evolves towards ever greater personalization, individualization, and unification of its elements. And so in that, he saw the Christian notion of love as being the principal driver of noogenesis. Evolution would culminate in the Omega Point, which is the apex of thought and consciousness, which he identified with the eschatological return of Christ, right? So Omega Point is literally the pinnacle, the pinnacle form of humanity in which we are all, to all evolving towards. Um, it, is, it, it is very important to note that while originally 
his theories and teachings were met with very severe responses from the Catholic Church. The teachings have in contemporary teach uh, in contemporary times, the leaders of the church have actually begun to approve his ideas and actually have gone as far as to defend them in some cases. Uh, one of the more recent examples of this is Pope Benedict XVI's incorporation of Teilhard's vision as a touchstone of the Catholic Mass in his book called The Spirit of the Liturgy. Uh, this is a another longer quote. I'm going to read this quote just simply because I know this was a very big part of the conversation was uh, the religious response to Teilhard. Um, so, uh, no, I'm not meaning to offend anybody with this. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to read this. So he's, uh, Benedict says, Against the background of modern evolutionary worldview, Teilhard de Chardin depicted the cosmos as a process of ascent, a series of unions. From very simple beginnings, the path leads to ever greater and more complex unities in which multiplicity is not abolished but merged into a growing synthesis, leading to the noosphere, in which spirit and its understanding embrace the whole and are blended into a kind of living organism invoking the epistles of the Ephesians and the Colossians. Teilhard looked on at Christ as the energy that strives towards the noosphere and finally incorporates everything in its fullness. From here, Teilhard went on to give a new meaning to Christian worship. The transubstantiated host is the anticipation of the transformation and divinization of matter in the Christological fullness. In his view, the Eucharist provides the movement of the cosmos with its direction. It anticipates its goal and at the same time urges it on. So, Basically, and that's the end of the quote, sorry. Uh, basically, they have kind of in the they've kind of come to accept this and they've actually are taking this now as a very big point because the spirit of the idea is that everything that we do is moving upwards and towards a better sense of self. Um, the connection here to the future war cult is actually you can actually be found in some of uh, Lakshmi's idol dialogue. Um and this kind of ties into the next point that I'm gonna I'm going to hand to Green here in just a second. Um, from Anon Pig again, uh, one of the co-hosts over the Destiny Lorecast, uh, he has a theory about the identity of Lakshmi too. But real quick, um, I actually kind of have a theory that Lakshmi and the Stranger are actually working together to find the single timeline that has peace, that has no war. Um, you know, this this is stemming again from Anon's uh, theory of their con- their connection, as well as some of the idle dialogue. So keep in mind the idea of this om- this omega point of this noosphere, and then realize that Lakshmi is she. If you stand next to her, she will say, you know, something of lines of, "What if there were a single line timeline untouched by war? Would you have any idea how to live in it?" Or what if there were a better timeline somewhere? What have you done to earn it? Or an infinity of timelines. If one timeline in a trillion knows peace, how could you ever hope to find it? She will find it, Guardian. And when she does, we'll be there. Dead orbit can run to the ends of the universe, but a war will be there waiting for them. And then finally, dead orbit just misdiagnosed the problem. It's not a matter of distance, but of time. So, again, taken to the concept of the idea of the Omega Point, um, and then, you know, especially that very last quote makes me kind of think that, you know, she really does actually think that there is something out there that they could find 
and she kind of hopes that there's something out there that they could be find. So Justin green, you got anything on that one? Just, just processing in my nose okay. fear. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of, that is a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, just, okay. So to, to, to explain, this is actually something I studied, um, for a number of years. You in think? College. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I kind of blazed through that very quickly. Um, I can definitely, if you guys want, I can definitely give you some more resources in chat, um, or through an email or whatever. Um, this is this is something that is pretty close to my my studies in college. So I have had four years to get used to these concepts. So I completely understand the the process. I'm with you. Picking up what you're putting down. It's interesting because I immediately when you started talking about the nosphere, it got me to thinking about kind of the idea of singularity and how it's kind of the opposite of it, but at the same time related to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is, but it isn't Um, Mm -hmm. because the concept of the noosphere, like, like he was saying is it not to moving towards it's moving towards perfection basically. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's actually a a live model of a noosphere going on right now. And we're on it. It's the internet. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Tailhard's head would blow. And all the up. cookies. It, yeah. <laughs> he would not. He would not be able to handle it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. To throw on top of this this uh, bonfire of intellectual madness, you want to talk about the identity. <laughs> Anons is actually quite a bit easier to grasp because he literally goes through, and this is on the bungee forums. If anybody want to look, I'll link it in the show notes as well. Awesome. Um, He goes through all the cards, all the dialogue from Lakshmi, all the different references that we've gone through tonight and lays out a really good argument as to what the identity of identity of Lakshmi is. And it's the, I think the, my favorite point that he makes is about two thirds of the way through when he talks about um, Lakshmi being only reborn once because mm-hmm. um, she's Lakshmi too. And we've learned from Cage journal that he used to be human turned EXO. We believe or disbelieve that Maya has uploaded herself as the EXO stranger. Would these acts human to EXO not be considered a rebirth? And he goes on to kind of put forth an argument of, the exo stranger being a version of Maya and uh, Chioma being what a lot of people like to say is Lakshmi kind of sort of transcended from her original state before. And, you know, I makes me wonder, and I, he doesn't really get into this too much, but do you think Lakshmi was an exo when she was studying or like Chioma was an exo when she was studying beforehand. At, I um, do not think. So. I don't think no, so. I don't like in Vex one through four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they weren't a very common commonplace thing. I don't think. No, because they, they, they existed, but well, no, they didn't. Cause remember they were testing out the, uh, the frames. 
Well, I think the the hardware existed. I don't think what oh, we call an yeah. XO was around. Right, right, right. Yeah, sorry. Yes, the right. it seemed like that. I got the feeling that that was what led to the creation of XOs, but because um, yeah. they were talking about um, how they were being broadcasted into the the frame, mm-hmm. and I think it was Vex Four because like they were they were saying yeah. like they sat down for the picnic, but they couldn't feel anything but they knew what it felt like or something. Yes. The proxies. Yeah. Proxies. Um, that's what it was. I actually, that's my prevailing theory that the strangers, Maya and Chioma is in fact, Lakshmi. And I found a pretty cool little tidbit. It doesn't prove anything or anything, but um, if you kind of think back and remember the, the um, traits that were, that were attributed to Lakshmi, the goddess, um, what was it? Wealth, mm-hmm. good fortune. Uh, she emphasized fi- like financial, uh, yeah. elegantly dressed, and then importance of economic activity and maintenance of life, and then ability to move, work, and prevail in confusing darkness. Yeah, and then fortune, so, self knowledge, and spiritual liberation. Mostly, really positive stuff. And this, like, again, this is just a little weird trivia point. The name Chioma comes from the Western African Igbo Igbo language. It means good God in Igbo. Oh. So, this is weird. This is very weird, I thought. So, so there you go. (laughs) Justin proves it. Yeah. I proved it. <laughs> not really. I, I'm not in the business of proving things. That's boring. <laughs> Argue. Argue with me right now. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Um, so do you guys want to do – I have one dispatch real quick. You yeah. guys want to jump into that? Yeah. Cue up Randy. All right. <laughs> Dispatches from the wilds. All right, so dispatches. This is again uh, another conversation that I had over on Discord. So, not a tried and true email, but it was really, really good. And it's basically Rhino broke down the the three sentences that are in the Atheon um, last thoughts card. And so I'm going to just read what he sent. And then if Justin or Green, if you guys want to jump in and give us your thoughts, let's do that. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Rhino says, all three sentences are paradoxical. Aid the vision is a computer AI structure that allows the computer to become more human-like by computationally observing the outside world of environments and mimicking the behavior to make itself human. Simplicity requires complexity is probability theory to describe human minds. This is where something seems simple is, quote, more probable, end quote, but it's in actuality a more complicated probability could yield the same result even if it looks less likely. Resent the joke is in resenting someone or something perceived to be a lesser. Also, resent meaning return. So, return the joke. Like, resent. 
Um, glimpsed chasm could refer to the crossing of one state of being to another, such as it's used in religion as a way to bridge the gap between God and man or transformation. And lastly, my favorite passion and paradox, AKA visions of God could be a section of study within Teilhard's scientific research writings involving his journey, the destiny of man or peaking man over his life. And then he kind of explains that over his life, he was to try and debunk the peaking man theory yet instead led to its discovery. A discovery found a fossilized skull of, of to potentially prove the evolution of man. He was trying to correlate the ultimate fate of the universe. This is called the Omega Point. In a nutshell, it's basically saying that all evolution and scientific discovery is a direct result of the design of the universe. Example, God from God, light from light, and all things made came from the Alpha and the Omega. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And that's a quote from Teilhard. So, there you go. What do you guys... That's an awesome quote. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I like that quote. No, I think that breaks it down pretty well. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The chat... The chat. What, did the, what is the chat? Perpetual Christmas? Uh, we have... Per, we have... That. Yeah, we've successfully perpetuated Christmas. Oh, okay. Indefinitely. We're talking about singularity. Oh, okay. Okay. I look over, I look over and I see pins, pins saying, Oh no, perpetually shopping last minute. I was like, what? Okay. I'm (laughs) I'm so, I'm, I'm thinking teal hard. All right. Um, yeah. yeah, Green, what is your, what are your thoughts on that one? I mean, it's the kind of the talk that you always get, especially when it comes to aid the vision with the computer AI taking on like learning by observing human and having the ability to adapt. I mean, it's, it's all leading into that idea that he talks about with um, the perfection of the society, perfection of the race, whether or not we evolve both mentally, spiritually, physically, it's it's all leading into that. And it could be that some of these passion and paradox type things or the the recent the recent one is the one that or the resent one is kind of one that kind of throws me off a little bit. The other ones kind of aid towards the idea of the teal hard, but at the same time the resent one throws it for me. I don't know. It's a hard one. To I think he's just mad off. that we pushed him off. Could be. It's the Atheon. He had to get baby bumpers. He was not. He's not happy about that. You know. I mean, when you're bowling, it's it's okay to have baby bumpers the first couple of times. You know, <laughs> it sucks when you throw a gutter ball every time. Not speaking. He should have been striking poses. God. <laughs> yeah. Who told Atheon it was time to Vogue? It's not. I love that. I love that pose. I want more poses in Destiny. Could this happen, please? I, want I thought it was a glitch first time it happened to me. Or the first time he, I, I went in there and he, he goes, oh. I was like, what is he doing? I want like Oryx to really do the thinker. I know he kind of gets into that pose, but I really want it solidified. Oh my gosh. He thinks. No, but really good, really good post. I, I like it. I think. Um, Couldn't have said it better myself. I like the, uh, I like the, the pointing out of the paradoxes within it and all that. Yeah. I think that was really, really well said. 
So I guess that brings us to the final comments and shout outs. You yeah. guys got any final comment? Green eyed, you got any final comments or shout outs? Uh, future work cult can, I need more alcohol for it. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> This week has been so rough on me as far as the time travel talk and all the talk with the device. And it's like, oh, God, I can't wrap my head around it. I need a giant. I need to look like that crazy person who's like stalking somebody and has pictures on the wall with all the different things and strings tying from strings. And it's like, I just need to be that person right now because I can't keep all this straight. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, You know what it is? You need lots of cats. I have a cat. And he's no, no, you need lots of them. Like you need no. a clouder. No. Of cats. I have one cat. At least. And he's a jerk. Decent sized cow- clouder of cats you know, to make that happen. He brought in a bird last night. He drug in a bird, a live bird, brought it to my side of the bed and left it and was playing with it at 2.30 in the morning last night. I'm like, what are you doing? Or did the bird bring him in? <laughs> Don't start this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that cat's evil. Yeah, it's a cat. His name, yeah. He's named after Cavol from the Patrick Rothfuss series, and it fits him way too well. Future war kitten. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's, he's psycho. He's psycho. Uh, the only shout-out I have is to actually Laura Sov, who was the one from earlier who pulled all the information for mm-hmm. the device together for us and sent it to both blue and I, and we were able to put it into the mind map. So shout out to her for grabbing all that together on a work day that she felt was really boring and slow. So thank you super, yeah. super, super much for that. That led That's to a lot of OCD ticks uh-huh. on m- my side. Cause I was like, there's a way to put this. And I, I tried so many formats and I was like, why am I doing this? Just throw it into a mind map. I'm an idiot. Uh-huh. Just, so, um, real quick, my, uh, well, next topic is going to be yes strikes back. Um, I think Justin, I think I kind of mentioned this to you ahead of time. I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to, well, I assume it's near and dear to Justin. I'm um, also for me is parenting as gamers. Um, I think is what we're going to kind of talk about next week on the strike or the, the strike, the, uh, the episode. I am, I'm kind of actually looking forward to it. I have, I don't really know where we're going to go with it, but I kind of want to, uh, explore that a little bit. I thought we were going to talk about gaming as parenters. Yes. Parents. Oh my God. (sighs) This is why I don't tell you anything. Um, yes. So email topics, if you, if you have questions or thoughts, you know, I think this is something that I remember, uh, I remember Podtacular did an episode with this and it was actually one of my favorite episodes that they've done, um, because it was actually really informative, um, for me, you know, I was, that was back, I think it was a year or two ago that they did that, um, which was right around the time that my son was just getting to be old enough to really kind of become more my responsibility as far as like, he didn't need mom all the time. And so it was something for me, you know, I've always been wondering like, what am I supposed to accept or expect for all this stuff? Cause I still want to, I still want to have, you know, me time and 
but yeah, so I think it's going to be kind of a, a low key, really kind of just honest conversation between, uh, I know know Justin's going to be on there. I have a few people lined up. I think we're, well, I'll just say, I think we're going to get Kashin back on here. She's, uh, Kashin's my wife. Um, because you know, of all the people she has the most experience because she has to parent two people. She has to parent March, our Mm -hmm. son, and then me. Um, and then I'm like a stepchild, like the stepchild that lives in, lives down South, Justin. (laughs) Um, so she, she's got the most experience of that. And then I think we're also going to get Belle to jump on as well. She was on the Podtacular Yay! episode. And when I talked, when I mentioned it to her, she would, she got really excited. So I think we're going to do that. Um, cool. Other than that, yeah. So like if you, excuse me, if you have any, any questions, comments, concerns, you know, parent if you're a parent or if you're not a parent i don't care email us it in we'll i mean we're gonna need we're gonna need some idea of what you guys want to talk about uh because yeah. if your yes episodes are always kind of chaotic yeah if you're a gamer who's expecting a child especially yes definitely send in your questions we'll and tell you what's about to happen to you y- oh my yeah i mean <laughs> and nothing nothing really is off off limit if it's something that we can't we you know we try to keep the the show episodes clean so if it's something that's like you know legitimately graphic you know question about like content and video games and stuff like that um we will i will take that email and actually share it with everyone who's going to be on the show and then we can email you back um then let's see my next shout out. Okay. First off, big shout out. Um, last episode, apparently I lipped definitions. And so I actually got feedback from two individuals, Taylor B over in discord and then trigger blade X over on iTunes. Uh, thank you guys for so much for catching that mix up. Um, yes. Atheon was part of the Vex precursor collective, not the descendant collective. So my apologies for flipping those. Um, I told Taylor, I was like, honestly, if that was the only thing I flipped in that entire episode, I'm pretty happy with myself. But I do want to make sure that I correct on that. Um, And then also my last shout out is to Unisys. Unisys has just did or just completed a massive overhaul of Lorebot within the discard. Wow. Discord chat. Um so he he not only overhauled it, he also upgraded it. Um, there are some more functionalities within Lorebot now uh, that we should be seeing somewhat soon. And then he is continuing to add in other features as well on top of that. So a big, big, big thank you for all that all that work that is being done for that. And that's that's all I got. Justin. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say great big shout out to Mel who couldn't be here because I do believe she is at what, which one she at Sacramento. Uh, yeah. So she was at Sac anime last week. Um, she got back and then basically got, there's, there's a couple things that happened. Um, and I was talking to her today and just her schedule, her schedule went from like, yeah, she can do the, the episode tonight to 
like full, full, full throttle. Um, so I just told her when I was talking to her, I just told her, you know, Hey, we don't worry about it. We need to make sure that, you know, you're not stressing out about anything that yeah. you don't need to be. So yeah. if you, if so you anyways, follow, if you follow Mel on, on Twitter, please be sure to tell her that we miss her and give her some support. Yes. And, uh, so I would just like to say big shout out to both her and by for carrying blue and I through mass effect. Um, and all the calibrations Ex- that were needed to be done. Y- yes. Okay. Expertly done. I bow down to you, presumably on my knees. Good job. <laughs> um, do you have an arm still? <laughs> yes, I do have an arm. I do have an arm. Bife hasn't cut it off yet. Um, Just a and then, <laughs> a flesh wound. Um, big shout out to to Green Eyed for for coming and joining us. Hope to have her on a lot in the future. And um, oh god, I'm missing something, aren't I? That's what happens when I you can't. don't write notes. Uh. No, I, I ha ha ha. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. No, I was, awesome. I was, you have the cursor right there. You could totally type something up. <laughs> um, so, okay. For for the record, for those who are are listening, Justin's being the three year old in the show notes. So, at this point. Justin has a head cold and he can't think. But whoever it is that warranted a shout out, um, you know who you are, even if I don't, and you're awesome. My clan, DOD Chatter White Crew, where where nonsense is born. The Omega Point for nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and my mother. Not my ma, but my mother. Not Ma, his mom. Not ma I love me ma, but I love me mother more. Oh Lord. Um <laughs> <laughs> So before before this devolves any further, <laughs> we're gonna begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Green-Eyed, for jumping into the chat. Um, We'll be posting her information up in the show notes for anyone who wants to continue the chat that we had tonight with her. And she's also in our Discord server as she spoke up earlier so please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on itunes or through that email as well be sure to check out our partner podcast within the guardian radio network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com so until next time focus your fire and may your light shine bright 